stuff. Whoa! Welcome to episode 25 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mason, and you found the show where I talk to the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. I can't believe this is episode 25. I mean, I guess if you want to get technical, it's actually episode 35 if you count all the bonus episodes. When I look back on it, I really can't believe how far this has come. What started out as just an idea when I was having lunch with a friend has turned into something that I completely and totally and truly love to do. I can't believe I've already had the opportunity to talk to Tom Chapin, Casper Baby Pants, Keith from Harmonica Pocket, Farmer Dave and the Sheriff from Animal Farm, Dan Nichols, Andy Ferguson, aka Red Yarn, Ellen Allard, Ellen Goodis, Lily from Curiosity Pack, Scott from Rochambeau Baby, Eugene, Rachel Mylan, Ben Siegel, Ligia Villalobos, Bill Childs, Secret Agent 23 Skidoo, Megan and Kristen from Girls Can Crate, KB Worley, Jack from Recess Monkey, Jason Didner, Dana Nachman, Jake Broder, Ross Barr, Johnny Bragar, Rebecca and Eva from Princess Awesome, Joe Lawson from Rovio, Dustin Type, Chibi Kodama, Vered, Sam from The Drip Drop Cone, Octopretzel, Aaron Gleason, and of course our recurring guests, Dr. Eric, Uncle D, and Josh the Lawyer. Also, the Camp Newman family, who's been tremendously helpful in explaining things, with much more of that to come in the future. If you missed any of these episodes, everything is free and available on iTunes or at my website, www.goodstuffpod.com. I'm thrilled to also tell you that there's tons and tons and tons of good stuff coming up in the very near future. For example, next week, in conjunction with the release of her brand new album, I got a chance to talk to Lori Berkner. I'm having so much fun doing this. I want to thank everyone who supported me thus far, especially Josh technical producer, sister and parents good stuff, my personal good stuff kids, and Mrs. Good Stuff, who hears me talk about this a lot. A lot. Episode 25 seems like the right time for me to play my conversation with Noam Katz. Noam and I go way, 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 way back. We've known each other since we were about five years old. We were buds at summer camp, and we've been buds since then, collaborating musically and even doing some touring together as a duo. He's crowdfunding a new album with a lot of great new music on it. The link can obviously be found at www.goodstuffpod.com. I think you'll get a kick out of mine and Noam's banter. Of course, we'll have a 25th episode special 4 plus 1 countdown. I cannot thank you enough for listening, Good Stuff Kids podcast audience. I will catch you at the end of the show. It's four plus one, the top four songs that my kids request in my beautiful 2013 Toyota Sienna, plus one that I try to get my kids to listen to. Coming in at number four is Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, which obviously was originally by the Beatles, but is covered here by Chris Ballou, a.k.a. Casper Baby Pants. Now there's nothing more adorable, I thought, than a two-year-old singing the song Peaches by the Presidents of the United States of America, but I was wrong. It's actually a two-year-old singing Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. <laughs> Thank you. For the girl with the 
sun in her eyes and she's gone. Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Lucy in the sky with diamonds. Lucy in the sky with diamonds. And coming in at number three, we can't get enough of this one. I'm about ready to have enough of this one, but we can't get enough of this one. It's the Schuyler Sisters from the Hamilton soundtrack because Liza! Number two is Willie Was a Whale by Justin Roberts. We love this one. We got lots of hand motions. And when we try to be woof and tough, we really flex our good stuff muscles. Willie was a whale and he walked on the water and he tried to be woof and he tried to be tough. But Willie wasn't Willie Woofy. Coming in at number one is a new song. It's called Dragon Tail by Funkin' Ships. And I actually had a chance to talk to the duo that makes up Funkin' Ships just a couple days ago. I think this song is totally interesting. Check it out. Popping through the woods when I saw a sign. Said beware of dragons, I put it in mind. I was pretty sure they did not exist. Then I heard a hiss. And for our plus one, I've been waiting for the perfect time for this one, and the 25th episode seems like the right time. It's the song The Bleeding Heart Show by one of my all-time favorite bands, The New Pornographers. This song, as Uncle D would say, is like eating a bowl of fresh fruit. It's one of my favorites of all, all, all time. For example... After I bought Mrs. Good Stuff's engagement ring, which was at the time the most expensive purchase I've ever made, this was the song I put on. Hope you like it. like any and everything that you've heard on our four plus one countdown this week you can find all of this music on amazon apple or spotify support these artists good stuff i'd like to welcome my buddy noam katz to the good stuff kids podcast noam good stuff Hey everybody! Hey Mike! I'm so excited to finally be on the show. Yeah, well, we should um, we should be clear right up front that you and I uh, have known each other for many years. We have quite a past. We have a history, as they say. You might say we grew up at summer camp together. You might say that we grew up at summer camp together. Now, were we always close at summer camp? In your memory, yes, we were very close. <laughs> Interesting. So, in my memory, we were close, but in your memory. I think it took, you know what, it took time for us to mature and realize how much we had in common. What are some of the things we have in common? What are some of the things? Well, I think we love to eat everything in sight. True, true. We both have three adorable children. Uh Uh-huh. 
We're very patient fathers. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would you? What are some of the highlight meals that you and I have had together? Um, I, triple Jack combos. Really? Tell me of what, a sort. Remind I me. Remind I just, me the I just, jack. I just remember there was it was a delightful barbecue sauce that yeah. had hints of uh, an adult beverage in the sauce. In the sauce. Nice. Um, and the triple Jack. Remember, it had like the three levels. It was so exciting. And then we saw uh, a movie afterwards. Two movies, if you recall. One I, of which, it was Men in Black 2. Fine, whatever. But the other... Mike convinced me to see a movie, boys and girls, called Reign of Fire, <laughs> which is about real dragons. So mm-hmm. it is not for all viewers. But um, if you have two hours that you really don't care what you do with, <laughs> then Reign of Fire is your option. Um yeah, you, you know a lot about movies. One thing I know about you is you pay special attention to things that you're interested in, such as movies and certain TV shows. What What is your favorite? And Talmud. Oh, Don't forget Talmud. I, sorry, I almost forgot. What is, uh, but really movies. Yeah, so what are, what are some of your favorite movies? Well, I'm going to start sounding like a cliche, Mike, but you know, first you have to start with the original Star Wars trilogy. Uh-huh. Uh, that's sort of a foundation for, I think, just going and being successful in life, really. Okay, a lot of lessons in there. A lot of lessons about choosing the right path, knowing who your true friends and mentors are, mm-hmm. uh, knowing how to wield a lightsaber. Important. Um, so those are just good life lessons in general. Uh-huh. But but I also have some some suggestions from the vault. Such as? From the vault? Well, I, I really, again, if you're old enough to see the uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, uh-huh. I thought that was a delightful father-son adventure story. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I, there's also a couple of I'm, ju- I'm just trying to think now um, oh I'm blanking on it hold on hold on it's coming okay the first major league the first major league is classic that was a great so, but how about kids kids movies yeah like what's a family favorite kids okay. movie for your family because th- that would make sense on a, on a on an, sure would but like on a podcast like th- this one we talk a lot about Star Wars in okay here. we talk about Star Wars which is very important um, I would also say the other uh, a year or two ago, me and my kids were sitting and watching Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Can't beat it. Something for everybody. One of my you know favorite kids stories, but like in in real life, funny and oh, um, hold, hold on. What you, you know, it's not real, right? You just said one of your favorite stories in real life. One of when my you favorite... watch the movie, you know that. Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Wait, you mean it's is, not... It's not a biography. It doesn't rain meatballs? <laughs> it's not a documentary. Because on Italian night, it does rain meatballs in my house. Um, I <laughs> think you're wrong movie. there. Okay. The Lego movie, high quality work. High quality. yeah, yeah. And um, I think I'm most pumped about is I heard that Pixar has in the plans a sequel to The Incredibles, which is my favorite Pixar movie uh, of all time. Great. Um, so, something else that you do besides watch movies all day is that you are a I do have a job you do have a job but you are you work at a day school in, mm-hmm. Tor- in Toronto yeah I am a Canadian I'm what they call Canadian what is a Cana- what is I'm a- Canadian-ish because I grew up in the states yeah I am American I'm an American citizen I grew up in New York uh-huh um, where in New York in Upstate New York in a in a town called Rochester. Rochester, New York. Okay. Yeah, it's where the famous Eastman Kodak house is. Famous for garbage plates. Also Nick Tahoe's garbage plates. What's a garbage plate? It's it just hurts my stomach <laughs> thinking about it. I believe it involves among other ingredients uh-huh. baked beans, hot dogs, hamburgers. 
potato salad, coleslaw, but everything on one plate, hence the name garbage. Garbage. I gotta say, I've eaten a lot of garbage in my life. That garbage really sounds like garbage. Well, it it really, everything coats the stomach really well. Yeah, okay. Um, But six years ago, me uh, and the family moved up north where my wife's family is all in Toronto. Mm -hmm. So that's now where I am serving as the rabbi at a school called the Leo Beck Day School. Shout out. Woot woot! Uh, in Toronto, Ontario. Uh-huh. Okay, so it's been six years in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, not so far from Rochester. No. So you're you're getting back to the East Coast roots. So, but between you know living in Rochester and living in Toronto, you've you've had some other things that have happened in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's true. So you're you're a musician, and you and I have worked together on many musical types of projects, but. You've put out some albums. How many albums have you put out up to this point? There are three albums so far that I've done. My first one was in 2001 called Rakia, which means like horizon is the best word I can think of. Um, After years of song leading at both Eisner Camp where we grew up and other places. Um, And five years later, I, I did an album called Mirembe Salam Vishalom, which means peace in lots of different languages, but it was inspired by my time living and volunteering in Uganda, um, which we can talk about in a second. And then in 2009, my most recent album I did called A Drum in Hand, partially inspired by you, Mike Mason. (laughs) Would you believe I loved the sound of drumming together, making sick beats? (laughs) Some yeah. might even call them sacred beats. And um, so I composed all new Hebrew prayer melodies uh, for communities based around the kind of uh, live energy of a drum circle. Cool. Um, so how did you end up in Uganda? Well, it was hard to find a direct flight. So there was, there was a stopover. Uh-huh. But I did fly. Um, no, why was I in Uganda? There's actually a Jewish community there called the Abba Yudaya. Uh-huh. And uh, try spelling that now. <laughs> um, and the Abu Dhar community of Jews by choice. Originally, they've only been there for about a hundred years, uh, but it's a beautiful community today, about a thousand strong. And I had learned about them uh, when I was living in Boston in the early two thousands. I was a high school teacher, but starting to make write, write my own music. And um, I met some of the community leaders and said, "Whenever I have this opportunity, I want to go for myself." And when I was there for, for three months, one winter, I taught in their schools, I helped teach English, I taught Hebrew, I worked with the youth, I helped with some grant writing, and um, it really kind of put, took my music and, and put it in a different direction. Um, if anybody has not listened to Paul Simon's classic Graceland album, um, I would say that was one of the huge influences in my music um, in terms of East meets West, um, incorporating African and world rhythms um, into Western music. And um, I sort of modeled a lot of my work at that time uh, after the music I was listening to in Uganda. You talked about teaching. You taught in Uganda. You taught when you were in Boston. And one thing I know that you do really well is teach through music. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the strategies that you have for when you are teaching a piece of music to, let's say, a group of eight-year-olds who are not interested, who are not in the common parlance, are not buying what you're selling. (laughs) They're not buying what I'm selling. Yeah. They they require more customer satisfaction. A little bit. You have to change your strategy. How do I guarantee? Yeah. Well, you know, I think in this day, that's that's a great question that I should turn right back to you, fellow educator. But I actually think that 
Um, in this day and age, we, we have all different kinds of learners, right? There's people who are really visual. If they need to see words on a screen or pictures, there are people who are auditory who just hear something once and they can often pick it up. Um, and then we, of course, have kinesthetic learners who really, um, they're drawn in by movement, by whether it's physical movement or dance. And I often think that if I can incorporate a whole bunch of different learning styles while I'm teaching, it'll be more fun, it'll be more engaging, um, it'll, it'll address the needs of a lot more learners. So uh, in this day and age, I kind of treat teaching a song like, um, you know, I use some of my theater background. Sometimes I try to present and start with a skit um, or some kind of compelling question to ask. Um, and then I try to get people involved in the experience of learning it. Again, whether it's if we're teaching a Hebrew song using hand motions that teach them what the song means. Um, I've, here's, here's an example uh, that you may remember when you and I went out on tour in the mid-aughts <laughs> to a few different camps um, under, the, under the title Tof Biad, A Drum in Hand. And we taught a song called Altis Takel Bekan Khan. It's a Hebrew quote that means... Don't look at the outside of the container, but the inside. What, what's on the inside is what really matters, which is a really important message, boys and girls. <laughs> but I, I remember you and I would do this whole big shtick about picking up our water bottles and seeing who had the coolest water bottle in the room. And, of course, all the kids pick, proudly put, picked up their water bottles. Mm -hmm. um, and then you and I kind of gave, we, we laid on thick the message about what's really important. A lot of thickness. Drinking yeah. water. Drinking water. It's not what's... What it looks like, but what's on the inside? That's a that's a good lesson, and and the idea of movement is also really important, um, because when you, I think that when you are writing and when you're performing and teaching in front of a group, I think that you came to this realization that like, if you have movements along with the song, like a little bit of mild choreography, even mild, mild. I'm a mild choreographer. <laughs> you're you a mild mannered <laughs> choreographer. The. Uh, that there, there's a greater chance to uh, a engage the kids and b to have them remember it to have it stick. Well, so that's what we call muscle memory, right? Yeah, it's yeah. that it's that, and sometimes when you assign words to certain movements, actually, if somebody is way better at at remembering movements, they have a harder time remembering words. But if they can connect word to action or gesture then the whole piece is going to be something that they can hold on to better. Right. So a great example of, of you doing this that I saw just last evening oh, was uh, the, the whole camp. We're at Camp Newman in Santa Rosa. Uh, the whole camp was gathered for mm -hmm. Friday night doing a little singing. Yeah. And, uh, Rock and song session. And, and you, well, you and I were sort of talking like this is a, this is a little flat. It was feeling like there was a little lack of energy. And you went and you performed one of your songs and... It immediately shifted the tone of the whole proceedings because everyone was doing these motions that they knew of your song, and it really um, re-engaged so many of the people there. So that's uh, uh, something that you excel at, and I want to be sure that the audience also knows that that's something that you excel at as well. You're paying me a compliment? <laughs> I, for, I take it back. Oh, oh, boy. I told you I could edit, right? Oh, yes. You sure did. <laughs> um so <laughs> this is just going to be like 30 seconds of like silence. Yeah. So you, <laughs> you are, um, you are, uh, who are some of your influences musically? 
Okay, so we did. We talked to Paul Simon. Talked Paul Simon. That seemed like a big one. Yeah, certainly. I grew up still at a time where the record player was a, you know, that was a quintessential piece of the household in the uh-huh. living room. And many, many afternoons went by with me listening to Peter, Paul, and Mary live in concert. Mm-hmm. Um, I wore out those, those records, um, not only to learn some of the folk classics, you know, Blowing in the Wind, uh, Puff the Magic Dragon, but just to also listen to the live energy of them working with and, and teaching the audience. And I think what I learned from Peter, Paul, and Mary, and Pete Seeger, and, and these days, you know, artists like Ben Folds, people who really do not just perform at their audiences, but they're really engaged in helping to make the audience a part of the symphony. Mm-hmm. So what it meant to teach teach on the go, basically like, share a, lo- a song, share a chorus one time, and have everybody singing with you mm-hmm. uh, for the chorus. So that was pretty critical. Um, of course, one of my first influences was Kermit the Frog. Um, I, was, I was that strange kid who didn't play a band or orchestra instrument at school. Uh-huh. I really wanted to learn banjo. So I was like the only third grader rocking out. I'm like, hey guys, check out this bluegrass tune. Hey, cool dudes. Another cool dude here playing some banjo. Yeah, it was pretty sweet. I, I, uh, but, but no, that, that, where did that come from? That came from nowhere else but the Muppet movie. Mm-hmm. Act one, scene one. Kermit the Frog playing banjo on a, on a lily pad. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I want to be that frog. Hooked. I mean, I think for a lot of people... And our generation, like that scene, it just brings back such amazing and um, profound positive nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you think about his, his some of Kermit's classic work, uh-huh. but, but even just, you know, there was beautiful lyrics uh, that are still memorable today. He has this whole other being green long before we were talking about acceptance and tolerance of who you are, mm-hmm. um, no matter who you are. You know, Kermit the Frog was singing a thinly veiled metaphoric song, It's Not Easy Being Green, How to Still Find the Beauty in Yourself. Do you play any of that stuff for your kids? Sure, sure. Every night before, I mean, we, we play music a lot in the house. Um, and if they're not, like, dancing to the latest Taylor Swift jam. But a boom. Boom, boom. Uh-huh. Uh, I guess I don't, she doesn't have to be name dropped because I feel like she gets enough publicity on her own. <laughs> Taylor, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, Taylor. Oh, sorry. We can't, we can't pay a royalty for the name drop. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Seriously. Actually, you should be paying Mike. <laughs> um, but, uh, but, yeah, like, the classic songs that I grew up with, especially the story songs, Puff the Magic Dragon, Levi the Leviathan uh, by Rabbi Larry Milder. Um, right field, a great Peter Paul and Mary song about baseball, but also about like self-esteem and courage. Um, those are the, the those are the regular songs. House at Pooh Corner um, that I still love singing to my kids. You know, every night as I put them to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you told me you have three albums. I'm very familiar with your music. We've played a lot of it many many times together. Um, which of, which are some of the the songs that you've written and recorded? You know that you are the most proud of. Hmm, that's interesting. Good question. Thank you. <laughs> nice job hosting, by the way. <laughs> um, I—that's a good question. I, 
I, so it's interesting. The very first Jewish song I ever wrote, mm-hmm. um, which I rarely do these days, except at our alma mater camp, because apparently they still sing it, is a song about, called Nachshon, which is a guy that you don't hear about very much, but he sort of shows up in rabbi stories about the first one who jumped into the water at the parting of the Red Sea. Mm-hmm. And so it was all about courage. It's all about kind of sticking up for yourself and doing something unpopular when nobody else is willing to take the first step. And so that was the first Jewish song I wrote and the first one that I ever shared uh, in the dining hall that was my own. Mm-hmm. And so that, when I, I, you know, there are parts of that songwriting process that I would take back. But to me, that sort of represents, um, first of all, it's like just nostalgia of mm-hmm. when I was just starting out. Um, and, and I love, I think there's a reason why I was attracted to the character of Nachshon. Mm-hmm. Um, again, about like, Whatever it is for you, a personal challenge, a hurdle, and some kind of accomplishment you want to achieve, that you have to get out of your comfort zone a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that one comes to mind. Um, the song that that I'm probably most well known for, well, one of a few, is my my African version of uh, Am Yisrael Chai. Um, that sort of borrows a little bit of the dialect patterns of the Abu Jews of Uganda, um, and. Again, for two years, I just sat with it, and I didn't really share it with anyone. And then all of a sudden, when you and I worked together at Kutz Camp in the early 2000s, I shared that one one Saturday morning, and all of a sudden, people just started singing it with such enthusiasm and energy. And, and before I knew it, within a few years, uh, anywhere I went in North America, people seemingly had heard that song. Yeah, so what's that like? Like, when you go places, right, because you do often... Um, travel for music and and you walk into a place and and everyone knows your music what's that feeling well it's totally humbling um it 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 feels like a real gift that i wrote something that other people have an interest in in singing um you know i'm not i don't write music to be known in fact more often than not Songs that I've written, people didn't realize that I wrote them. That's just kind of an interesting irony of this work. Um, But I'm thrilled if I could write uh, a piece of music that brought a community together, that gave somebody some kind of, like, uplift. Um, The best comments and emails and responses I've ever gotten are for people who said, you know, this song empowered me. Um, This song is one of my favorites to do when, like, I'm with a group of my friends. So, um, yeah, it's just if I'm lucky to go to a place and have an opportunity to either hear them already singing one of my songs um, or uh, I get to teach, you know, and and that's a real gift, too, is to get a chance to, like, teach new music to a group. Mm -hmm. Um, I always say a community that sings together um, is is strong together. Like, I just think there's something about singing and music as, like, spiritual glue. So... I also imagine that when you go places, like some some fairly funny things can happen. Um, and I know that uh, you know when you and I were were touring together, everywhere we went, there was something just just unexpected and and you know oftentimes like bizarre. But I imagine you got at least one or two funny stories from the road. From the road. Would you be so kind as to share them? Oh, I have to I have to figure out which ones are uh, <laughs> permissible. Everything for local for uh, for for podcast for listeners. For podcast listeners. I think no. Well, 
That's not true. I should say, that, oh, of course, there's always fun, mostly because you and I, and, and to this day where I still continue to go to multi-generational groups, but especially kids, and kids will do and say the funniest things. Right. They don't have that kind of censor mm-hmm. about what the behavior is, right. um, which is awesome. It's also really like pure. It's really authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I mean, one that comes to mind. <laughs> oh, really? What, would, what could that be? <laughs> you and I were down at a, at a URJ Jacobs camp down in Mississippi. Hot. And we were, it was hot so and hot. humid and you and I were already... Um, prone to perspiration. Right. Okay? Yes. I, I believe the expression for us is, for us it's 10% inspiration. <laughs> it is 1,000% perspiration. Totally. And uh, we were leading a morning service, and I think we were at a, at a prayer about creation. God creates the world and everything in it. And so we said, let's create a dance with everybody. Because we are also choreographers. Oh, mildly. <laughs> we are mild choreographers at best. Uh-huh. And um, so we took some spontaneous movement from people in the crowd. And we wove together a few different movements. And um, I guess one of the final taglines was, guys, that was amazing. We just created that Yotzeer dance. We, we just created something. Mm-hmm. And then there was a kid in the front row who lifted their legs slightly <laughs> and um, created something else, I guess, for us all to smell and hear. And, like, was so comfortable oh. amongst his peers and friends and counselors and us, apparently. Yeah, it was like being in his living room, but with 250 of his best friends. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Did I spell it out, or do I need to be no, give think, more detail about you, what uh, happened? I think you... Um, you really cut that cheese. <laughs> uh, all right. You really let that wind fly. You really let it rip on that one. Yeah, Oh, good. Uh, I'm glad that we've matured yeah. so, well, yeah. so elegantly. I mean, we, we're not mature. We should probably get that out, okay. out front. Um, so in addition to like all the funny things, and you bring a tremendous amount of energy to your performance and just to being with the community um and and i i often uh find you know when we would travel together you would be raring to go and i would need a nap (laughs) but um the uh one thing that i know about you from you know our collaborations is that you are pushing yourself and maturing as a songwriter and you're tackling some different kinds of subject matter so Mm -hmm. is that a conscious choice or do you think that comes with just where you're at in your life Yet another good question, Mike. <laughs> God, you are impressing me to no end. First, it was mild choreography. Mild. Now it is like major interviewing. Um, I, you know what? I think it's some of both. I think that there is a piece of you that you intend to write uh, different styles, different genres. Um, you, you play more with whether lyrics or melody lines. Um you become more sophisticated in that if you have if you, that's where you're setting your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that way, I think I am writing more intricate songs now than I did 15 years ago when I was really just starting out. At the same time, I also think it's about like your life stage. So now, as I said before, you and me are both parents of three, um, just winning winning personalities. <laughs> um, and oh, life is so good. <laughs> and I think that your experience as, you know, uh, both like a, a parent, as a quote-unquote grown-up, um, as an educator, you, you think about sort of the multiple lenses or facets of like the power. So if somebody is giving you, in your case, the microphone to deliver a podcast, 
You know, you don't want to deliver a, a what Christopher Guest called a stinky product <laughs> in waiting for Guffman. <laughs> but like, this is a real platform for you to share music that you love, messaging people that you love. Um, but I think it's also, I think with my writing and with the musical choices I'm making, and sometimes if I'm choosing a piece of um, Hebrew, traditional Hebrew text, it is, what are the values? What are the messages? Uh, what are the words that I want people to be thinking about, learning, and, and hopefully even repeating and, and sharing with others? So, um, yeah, I think my, my songwriting is in a slightly different place right now uh, because of my life experience. Mm -hmm. Great, good answer. So, what's uh, you know, speaking of which, yes, what uh, what's coming up for you? What are you What are you thinking about? What's the next move for mm -hmm. for Noam? Well, I'm still happy uh, as uh, the rabbi at the the day school where I'm where I'm working at with my 830 scholars in short pants, um, <laughs> which really is awesome because as a rabbi in a day school, every single day of the work week. I am fulfilling my job while still have a guitar or a drum slung over my shoulder because um, so much of the teaching I do does happen through through music. Um, but at the same time, I'm hoping to ramp up to a new album project. Um, and hopefully by this September, uh, the beginning of the school year, I'll be ready to launch a Juicer campaign. For those who don't know, Juicer, J-E-W-C-E-R, is basically the Jewish version of Kickstarter for people who want to start new initiatives or projects in arts and culture um, and a way of doing some crowdfunding. Um, and the name uh, of my next album is uh, tentatively titled um, After the Flood. After the flood, where does that come from? Well, haven't you read your Bible? Don't you know about Noah's Ark? <laughs> does that have anything personal? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure it does. Um, so, two and a half years ago, uh, the last week of December 2013, um, my third, my youngest son, Roe, was born uh, in the middle of a great ice storm. Not a great as in good, but as in a huge ice storm that canvassed the greater Toronto area. Uh, it knocked out the power of thousands of houses, and, and we were one of those. And that would have been a challenge enough. But basically after the, the, the time we spent in the hospital welcoming our newest child, um, a pipe burst in the top floor of my new house. And so we actually experienced our own flood um, that filled up all uh, four levels of our house. And uh, we were essentially displaced from our house for about the next nine months. Um, so just as we were enjoying this beautiful new life, uh, welcomed into our family, we were also dealing with this pretty significant hurdle and challenge that we were not expecting. And as I started thinking more and more about my own uh, year and the challenges that, that it, it sort of held for my family, I thought, isn't this life for everybody? Everybody goes through challenge. Everybody goes through hardship, sometimes things more severe than others. And I don't even think, a, a I mean, nobody was hurt, thank God. So it was really just bricks and mortar and some walls that were affected. Uh, but there's people who deal with real challenge. And at the same time, they may be dealing with great joyful moments and great milestones at the same moment. Sort of what life is like. Um, and so that sort of inspired a new series of songs that I've been writing recently that kind of deal with the highs and the lows that are trying to help people be resilient um, and determined and strong to overcome those challenges in life, uh, but also 
to smell the wake up and smell the blessings that surround them. Basically, to realize you know there are so many wonderful things that if you just open your eyes wide enough and keep your head up, uh, it's not it's hard not to notice all those blessings. So as I said, I think that's uh, both going to be an autobiographical album in many ways, but I also think it'll be universal uh, because I think everybody goes through that in life. Um, and uh, yeah, I hope these songs will really speak to that experience for people. So when the, when you do launch the Juicer campaign, um, probably around the time that this episode will drop, mm-hmm. uh, how can uh, how can we find it? How can we find you? Good question. You can go to juicer.com and, and look for my name, Noam Katz, among the different current arts and culture projects. Uh, also, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, again, I have my own page, Noam Katz, uh, as well as uh, my website, uh, noamkatz.com. Um, so not so much creative, but at least, uh, at least it gets the point yeah, across. It gets the point across. And uh, if you're Canadian, you just, instead of saying Z, you have to say Z. But otherwise, the spelling is exactly the same. K A T Z. Got it. Um, well, Noam, thanks for doing this. Uh, we should we should say that uh, I don't think either of us really knew how this was gonna how this was gonna go because we do have a banter. We do have a, a there is a, much banter. There is to much be banter, had. but this was uh, you know a little less little less bantery, but that's okay. Um, I think that it, you really um, I appreciated your your honesty and your insights into your writing and your and what you're doing. And um, thanks for your time. Well, you're sweating a little bit right now, well, so it's what a do. Thank you for that. <laughs> it's what a do. Hey, Mike, you are good at this. Oh, thanks, Noam. That's a compliment for free. <laughs> All right, see ya. Bye. Be sure to check out Noam's Juicer campaign. Link can be found at www.goodstuffpod.com. And a very special treat: Noam's brand new song, "After the Flood," will be played in its entirety at the very end of this episode. And that's a wrap on episode number 25. Thank you for your support of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. Please, if you are so inclined, share it with a friend. You can even write a review on iTunes. Every little bit helps as we keep the Good Stuff train chugging along. Thank you so much. Next week, Lori Berkner. came when my son had no name he just danced in the pool of our dreams we were two on dry land digging toes in white sand we were righteous and good so it seemed life has a habit of knocking you down how upright it's easy to drown As the clouds came on thick and the outlook looked grim I heard my own voice yearning deep from within Adonai Roi Adonai Roi been drenched to the bone. We 
met face to face you were our saving grace and a glimmer of your mercy was shown but life has a habit of washing away the bricks that you build and the plans that you made so we rock back and forth in this cradle of time and though the words may be ancient Voice, it is mine, Adonai Roi, Adonai Roi, Adonai Roi, scattered debris Do we show our love most if we hold our dove close or at some point do you set that bird free Life has a habit of giving you faith Your branches may bend but it's seldom they break Now we look to the skies and we search for a trace to find that you're bending an ark in its place Adonai Roi Adonai Stuff.